You're hungry. I know how Bill Glycemic can do sound still. Do you want to see it? Just thinking. A what? You want to know what I was thinking? About eating? I was thinking about Wakanda. Was that a camp in Wisconsin? Seeing Abdul Habaz's picture reminded me of Moe and Jada, time I spent in Chad and Sudan. I started thinking about Wakanda. Where is Wakanda? It's nowhere. It's a fictional African country. The most technically advanced society in the Marvel Universe. And the richest. <laughs> Hold on a second. In a comic book? You just geeked out on me in a real moment? Hey, man, when I was a kid, comic books were the only thing that made sense. It was simple. Good guys versus bad guys. For me, it was all about Chala, the Black Panther. Of course. Not just because he was a brother who was richer than Tony Stark. Chala was a leader. He was a president. He was a superhero. All at the same time. It was all about justice. When I left Brooklyn, the only thing I wanted to see was the motherland. And, and to witness that world up close. And instead of finding Wakanda, I found poverty, starvation, child soldiers, death squads. Walt's bread and butter. I thought I could save more. I really thought I could help Jada. That whole motherland thing's overrated. Traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. That's the on air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays. The Uncanny Daryl D. Mind Expansion Engaged. folks i am back black live and direct you know it is your humble host d bird aka the afro nerd this is at least for the duration at this format is the midweek in review edition of afro nerd featuring captain kirk and of course oftentimes the uncanny daryl b i received a call from the captain and because of logistics and and the technical aspect he may or may not be able to participate in this particular program. He said he would try to call in, but if he cannot, then that's understood. And, of course, um, I sent a message to the Uncanny, and I'm not sure of his availability as well, because uh, if, you, if you're living under a rock, which may be the safest place for you nationally, there are some folks that 
are able to work from home and others are perceived or, or are deemed necessary workers, that they have, they have to deal with this current pandemic horror show. Nevertheless, I will be your guide through this blurred, nerd, uh, informative, cultural expanse that we call the Afro-Nerd Radio Machine. Uh, I, I can do it for Delph, but I would prefer to have, of course, my partners in White Collar Crime. You, too, can join in on the fun. Join in on the discourse. The call-in number, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. So why, while I play what we always do, we always play urban alternative music, black rock and roll, psychedelic soul, classic hip-hop, all that good stuff that corporate media, corporate radio refuses to play, we will play it here. While that's going on, I will try to brush up on, again, some of the developments that, have, that are ongoing with the pandemic, especially at the New York City metro areas, because um, if you haven't guessed that, New York City is the epicenter. We have the most cases nationally, and then it's, it's, it tends to expand going outward. Go west, young man, as they say. So anyway, um, it's, it's a pretty rough situation, but we're trying our best to get through it. Uh, Queens, the borough of Manhattan, Queens specifically, which is the, the largest borough, uh, has mo- the most cases right now. So uh, again, it's, it's um, very difficult. Just to be completely candid with you, it's very difficult. You, you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. Um, you try to cover up as best as you can. This is a unseen enemy. So this is this is new for many of us. Unless you were around in 1918, and there are a select few that could speak about the Spanish flu. A select few. I, I don't. I, I'm assuming there might be some people that might be, a, but they would have been infants even now. You talk about someone who's a centurion, but anyway. I'm sure there's a select few globally that might be able to speak on that. I'd be curious what they would say. Anyway, um, let's go to this groove. This is from the Nova Twins. The Nova Twins are a British-UK duo that I kind of dig, and I've seen them play at Afropunk a couple of times, two young women, and um, rockers. So let's get it in. Nova Twins mood swings. Let's groove. Yeah. 
Nova Twins, Mood Swings, Nova Twins, Mood Swings, courtesy of the Afropunk, the other black experience. And um, I think it's fair to say, even though it's, it's, it's scheduled for late August, like the last week of August, I haven't heard anything, but I would be surprised if that still goes on. Um, look, even if we get beyond this, let's say midsummer, are people going to feel comfortable going to an event like that, that people are literally on top of each other? Um, Commodore Barry Park, uh, I don't see it in Brooklyn. You know, it's it's so funny that I've gone to the I've gone to this event for more than a decade, and I never once thought about really being around so many people. And uh, well, let me let me let me back up. Um, because of the kind of music that they play, and the kind of music that this that that Afropunk, I mean, pull that Afropunk attracts. I'm not really worried about personal safety, or at least until the until now, I wasn't worried about my personal safety like that. It was always a, a lot of police officers, and that's the kind of people. I mean, the kind of people that are going to see urban alternative music, you know, black rock. You're not supposed to say this, but it's it's not the same necessarily the same as uh, hip hop, or or especially some of the more um, guttural forms of hip-hop or the more dangerous, um, lascivious forms of hip-hop, they attract a certain crowd. Black rock aficionados, not so much so. But this time around, it's not so much about violence. It's more about the biological. So I haven't heard anything. And also, you know, for long-time listeners that are aware of what we do, some of our our um, events that we tout quite a bit on the show, if it's not the Black Comic Book Festival in Harlem at the Schomburg Center of African American Research, if it's not that, now that's January, Dr. King, the Dr. King holiday weekend. So we quite, we have quite some time, but even even then, I can't say for sure what the deal is on that. So uh, again, if it's not that festival, if it's not New York Comic Con, which is in October, and as I said, late August, like one week before September, you've got Afropunk. Are any of those events going to go forward? Being where we are now, measuring, you know, we're not even at, we're not even at the peak of this coronavirus situation. So it is interesting, people. Once again, I'm doing this for Delph. Dbert, aka the Afro Nerd, Captain Kirk may or may not come in because of logistics, as I said, and because of the the technical, you know, his his ability to, to call in. I'm not sure if he if he has that, um, but he said he would try. And of course, the uncanny, um, I'm not sure of his situation because of his of his um, work necessity. Again, during this uh, global pandemic, I, I tell you what. Before we start getting into a discussion. Why not some more music? Um, we got a little bit of time. <laughs> we got a little bit of time. And you know what? Uh, let's see here. So I actually loaded up some sounds that our audience may not be familiar with. Okay. This is 
Lauren Faith. I might have played this before. Lauren Faith. Jeez. Jeez. We'll be right back. Let's groove. Absolute very best of urban alternative groove, blood rock and roll, psychedelic soul, and soul. That was Lauren Faith. Lauren Faith. Jeez. Jeez. All right, people. Again, we have a midweek review show to do, courtesy of the Afro Radio Machine. And, uh, of course, look, uh, as I said, for the last couple of shows, we, we are it, – it, it is unavoidable 
to really not discuss this COVID-19, a.k.a. the coronavirus. So uh, I'm going to play a clip, actually, from Trevor Noah, the Daily Show host on Comedy Central. And because everyone, or everyone should be practicing social distancing and many of our businesses are closed, even the the mainstream folks have to do their shows pretty much the way like everybody else is doing their shows. They've come to Afro Nerds world. So uh, Trevor, in his apartment, I believe, he is interviewing guests as if he were interview, interviewing them at, on a soundstage. So he inter, he's interviewing the head immuno, immunologist, immunologist, let me get that right, the head immunologist in the country, somewhat of a superstar because of the situation. He seems to have a handle on how this works. Fauci, he's interviewing him. So um, it's quite long. Maybe we'll play half the length of it because it's all about information. And let's, let's do a reverse. Let's do a reverse on from the beginning what this is and how to deal with it. They really put out fact from fiction. If you notice, Dr. Fauci is on stage uh, at the podium with Donald Trump, President Trump, and President Trump will do what he does. I think it's called lying <laughs> or misdirection. And Dr. Fauci has to come in rather calmly and say oftentimes something that's completely different than what the president has said. So anyway, uh, Dr. Fauci being interviewed by Trevor Noah. Hold on. Dr. Fauci, thank you so much for joining us on the Daily Social Distancing Show. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Harold, very well. You are an infectious diseases expert who has advised six presidents on everything from SARS to Ebola to the HIV uh, epidemic and Zika. What makes coronavirus so different? Well, it's different because, you know, when people used to ask me over the years, what is it that I most worry about with regard to emerging infectious diseases? Is a respiratory-borne illness that easily spreads from person to person but that has a high degree of morbidity and mortality. And unfortunately, that's the worst nightmare you could have, is to have something like that. I mean, there are other diseases. Ebola was frightening, but Ebola gets transmitted only when you're in very close contact with a person who is very, very ill. With this disease, in some respects similar to influenza, but in some respects very different, it spreads very easily. You can even spread it when you're not symptomatic. So it's insidious and treacherous in that you could spread it easily. The other part about it that's really so different from anything that we've ever faced before is that if you look at the mortality of seasonal flu, the thing that you and I go through every season, the mortality is about 0.1%. That's a lot. And we get used to that morbidity and mortality. But the mortality of this, is about 10 times that. It's at least 1%. So it's, it, it's a disease that not only is easily spread, but it can be devastating, particularly for a certain subset of the population. Demographically different. The elderly, those with underlying conditions, heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, it can be very serious for them with a high degree of mortality. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the information in and around corona that's that's, I think, getting people confused. I, I see so many conflicting ideas online, and I guess the, the, the horrible byproduct of having social media and the Internet is everyone is now an expert and everyone has an opinion. I know this is very basic for you, but just to help everyone be on the same page, 
how can we catch corona and what are the areas we should be most concerned about? So we know about human-to-human -human transmission. Most people understand that, but I see people online worried about grocery shopping, touching packages that they receive from Amazon. Do people need to wipe them down? When they're in the grocery store, can they touch other things? How long does coronavirus last in the air? For instance, if you walk into an elevator after somebody else, can coronavirus still be there? What do we need to be on the lookout for as individuals? Okay, there's varied degrees of risk, Trevor, of that in, in every respect. But the things that are the most common that you really want to latch on to is that sneezing and coughing. When someone is ill, they've got to get themselves out of circulation because they can spread by droplets and even by what we call aerosol, which means the drop doesn't go down right away. It hangs around for a bit. So you could come into a room thinking everything is all right, and then you inhale it. That's likely not the primary way. The primary way is probably droplet. But another way that's very important is handshaking. When people naturally go <clears throat> like that, they cough, and then it's innocent. There's nothing on their hand. They shake your hand or they open a doorknob. And that's the thing. You don't want to be obsessive compulsive about wiping everything down that you go near. But one of the real bad actors is somebody who just opens a door and then 15 minutes later, because we know the virus can live on inanimate hard objects like steel or plastic right. for at least several hours. So that's the thing you've got to be careful of. That's one of the reasons why, if you really want to be careful, besides the social distancing of six right. feet, don't shake anybody's hands. Just lose that right. for a while. And wash your hands as often as you can because you may be inadvertently touching something. Now, your other question, Trevor, that's important, is that I don't think we need to get completely obsessed about packages that come in because those types of surfaces, the virus might live there for a very short time, but people say, should I, should I get a package from a grocery store that says made in China? I, I wouldn't worry about that. That's not the issue. It's more the close things, the hand washing. Let's talk a little bit about what you alluded to earlier, the, the mortality rates of the disease and how people have misconstrued the numbers. We know that people who are older or people who have underlying respiratory infections um, have a higher chance of dying from the virus. But I think people have started to believe that that means young people are immune and cannot get sick from coronavirus. What are people not understanding from the numbers? Trevor, they're not understanding two things that are important. A, even though you are young, you are not absolutely invulnerable, for sure, because we're seeing cases, most of them have some underlying disease, but several don't, who are young people, 30s, 40s, who are getting sick, getting into the hospital, requiring intensive care. Still, the overwhelming proportion are the elderly with underlying disease, but every once in a while, you're going to get a young person. So if you think you're completely invulnerable, you're incorrect. Second issue that's important, that even though you may not get seriously ill, you can get infected with relatively few symptoms, either asymptomatic or mild, relatively trivial symptoms. But then you can infect another person who would then infect a vulnerable person who would then die. I mean, it's a typical example. I'm young, I'm healthy, but you go home, you infect grandma, grandpa, and your sick uncle. So you have a responsibility not only to protect yourself, but you almost have a societal moral responsibility to protect other people.
In, in talking about th the virus, it, it feels like, understandably, everyone is trying to find an answer. Everybody is trying to find their own solution. Unfortunately, that has bred, uh, you know, it's created a breeding ground for misinformation. For instance, uh, cures that people are touting online, uh, you know, concoctions of, of different medications, etc. We read about malaria drugs and, and chloroquine or, or whatever it is. What is the biggest warning you would give to the general public about trying to self-medicate or, or is there any cure that people actually have discovered? What, as, as a leading health expert, what do you say about this issue? So right now, today, as we speak, there is no proven safe and effective direct therapy for coronavirus disease, for sure. There are a number of clinical trials that are trying to, by randomized controlled trials, get a definitive answer as to what works and what does work, not work, what's safe, what's not safe. Superimposed upon that, there are drugs that are already approved for other things, like hydroxychloroquine for malaria and for certain autoimmune diseases, that there have been anecdotal stories. By anecdotal, I mean people kind of think they work, but they haven't really proven they work. That's right. really gotten out there on the Internet so people are very enthusiastic since generally these drugs appear to be safe, and they are, but they do have some toxicities. So a lot of people want a drug even though it's not proven just in case it might help them. You've got to be careful about that for a couple of reasons. You don't want to take that drug off the market for the people who really need it, who have the diseases it's used for. And on the other hand, there may be some toxicity. That's the reason why we're pushing to try and get as many good clinical trials as possible to prove if it works. If it does, then get it out there really fast for everybody. Got it. I have four questions because I know we're going to run out of time, but I just want to let you know I have four questions that I think are really important. Um, number one, we hear about this clock, 15 days where things will be reassessed, 15 days where people might go back, 15 days, every country, 21 days, there seems to be a clock. My question is, what is that clock supposed to be and is there a certain amount of time that people can be away from each other where coronavirus goes away? And, and the follow-up in that same question is, does the clock start if people are not completely quarantined during that period? Yeah, the virus is the clock, Trevor. Uh, so people say, may arbitrarily, well, in two weeks, we're going to be okay. It depends on the kinetics of the outbreak. Right now, take New York City. They are getting hit really hard. And the uh -huh. kinetics of the outbreak is going there. You can't predict when it'll make that turnaround and start coming down. In general, if you look historically at, at countries that have been through the whole cycle, in China, it was about eight weeks or so before it went way up and then way down. In Korea, the same thing. So if you look at each individual country, and being a big country as we are here in the United States, we're almost like a lot of little countries, like New York in itself can be considered a country. California right. can be considered a country. So it's unpredictable about when you can say this cycle. It's usually measured in several weeks. Sometimes when you're into the cycle, you may only be two to three weeks away before it starts to turn around. Right. Okay, so then to that point, that's then my second of the four questions. Second question is, is New York City really harder hit or is New York's testing making the numbers spike up? And is this something that we're going to see start trending throughout America? Well, a couple of good questions right in there. New York is more hardly hit for sure. The nature of the city, 
the crowding of the city, the fact that you get the beginning of your outbreak when you get influx from other countries. China was the index country that came in. New York is a travel hub of the country, so clearly we had a lot of cases come in. By the time they realized what they were dealing with, they had already gotten a sucker punch, and they really were, were playing catch-up. They didn't do anything wrong. They're not very different except that they're a big, robust city, and because of that, they're getting hit hard. Okay, and then the second last question is with regards to reinfection and immunity. We talk about people who have it and are asymptomatic. We talk about people who are recovering and we're starting to see those numbers grow around the world. Do we know yet if getting corona and surviving corona means that you're now immune to the disease or is there a chance of reinfection? Uh, We don't know that for 100% certain because we haven't done the study to see re-challenges, whether they've been protected. But I feel really confident that if this virus acts like every other virus that we know, once you get infected, get better, clear the virus, that you'll have immunity that will protect you against reinfection. So it's never 100%, but I'd be willing to bet anything that people who recover are really protected against reinfection. Okay, and then our final question, and thank you so much for your time. I really, I really hope everyone understands how important it is to listen to you. Final question with regards to the government, the CDC, the NIH, and all of the units working together. Right now, it feels like there is a, a, a push and pull, a tug of war between states and the federal government, etc. For Americans who are out there watching this, what is the plan, and what do you think needs to happen for the whole unit of the United States to fight the coronavirus, you know, implementing different checks and balances along the way to make sure that everyone fights it and the numbers go down? Well, that's a very good question. Things are implemented at the state and local level. That's the way this country works so well. The federal government is a facilitator, it's a supplier, it's a supporter. And that's the way things should be going. And that's what we're starting to see now as we are catching up on things that weren't done so well in the beginning. We now have many, many more tests. The private industry is getting involved. The government's not making the test. The private industry is. The ventilators that are needed coming out of the the stockpile, yet companies are starting to make more. So it really is a marriage between the federal government as the facilitator and supporter of where the real action is, is at the state and local level. Thank you so much, Dr. Fauci. Um, You've been amazing. I could talk to you for an hour on this, but I know everyone wants your time. Good luck with what you're doing, and um, I hope we're doing our part to make your job a little bit easier. Thank you. You are very much, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Stay safe and wash your hands because of that fake cough you did. (laughs) Take care. All right, folks, um, I wanted to give you full throttle information. I I let it ride. I thought that the conversation was integral. It was uh, engaging. And just to be frank, it was necessary. So um, I'm going to go to a group because there's so much time. That was like a 13-minute clip. And again, um, normally we cut the clips short when we think you got the gist of it, but the circumstances circumstances are a bit too, too dire to not be fully informed. So I'm going to take a, uh, another break. When we come back, we're going to mix it up. The phone calls are uh, 
we're willing to take calls, of course. The, the lines are open. 646-915-9620 again. 646-915-9620. So bear with me for this break. When we come back, we can take calls. And um, I'm just going to I'm just going to give you some some anecdotal information on, on what's happening again with 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 my own personal circumstances being here uh, in the middle of it. Uh, just observations, and also uh, you know some more stories that about human the human condition. How some people just do not get it. Some people are not getting it. Anyway, COVIDiots, I think, is the hashtag COVIDiots. Anyway, this is Prince, Shockadelica, 87 rehearsal, live. B-side single on this one. Let's groove. The lights go out, the smell of doom. Creeping into your lonely room My bed's on fire Your fate is sealed And I'm so tired
niggas in the front row with it. First you go like this. Then they come through those Watch out behind you. Rogers Nelson, a rehearsal, circa 1987, Shockadelica. It's an interesting fact about Shockadelica. The term Shockadelica actually is connected to Jesse Johnson, notable guitarist, musician, also from the Minneapolis area, and also a colleague of Prince, part of the Prince camp, part of the time. We know the, the, the infamous time, the side project helmed by Morris Day. Well, anyway, uh, there was a time where many of these, these colleagues, um, compatriots, uh, uh, protégés, they went out on their own and did, and did different projects. So Jesse Johnson was actually quite prolific. I mean, look, if you're going to play with Prince, you had to be a superior musician. So unless you were a woman, <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to say that, but he, he really was into a certain look. Um, well, you know what? I shouldn't say that. There, there were many, many uh, musicians that were women that were phenomenal. Sheila E. and, and I can go on and on. I mean, they were phen- so I shouldn't say that. But there were some also that were clearly there because they, gave, they, they, they were his muse. So anyway... Uh, so you know, nowadays I got to make things clear. I'm not. I'm not trying to put out some kind of sexist term. I'm just being being just uh, accurate. So anyway, um, shockadelica was a term that Jesse Johnson often used as a kind of a, a as kind of a euphemism for ebullience. Uh, anytime he was excited about a song or a new girlfriend, it would be shockadelica. So this was kind of a known term, and he actually named one of his albums because, as I was saying before, uh, many of these, these protégés and, and, and sidemen, they were doing their own thing. And Jesse Johnson, during the mid-'80s, was quite successful as a solo act. He had a, a number of very popular albums, and Chocadelica was, I believe, his second or third album at the time. And the, the, album, the name of the album was called Shockadelica, but he didn't have a title track to go along with the term Shockadelica. Um, if you remember, there was, there was a song called Crazy, or Crazy. Crazy was uh, historical in the sense that Sly Stone, Sylvester Stewart, Sly Stone featured on Crazy with Jesse Johnson, and as you can, as you can guess, Sly Stone was a 
was a, was was a uh, was a, was a figure during this time that many of these musicians in Minneapolis they looked up to. So they they were definitely uh, Sly Stone was definitely a hero to Prince and Jesse and and Morris and all these guys. So anyway, although the way Prince operates, although um, Jesse Johnson named his album Shockadelica, Prince decided to do a song before that album came out called Shockadelica. So some people had the misunderstanding that um, Shockadelica was was Prince's original creation and is actually the other way around. Prince was slick enough to say, well, you didn't make a song for it, so I'm going to take this term and make a song for it. Anyway, I see that the captain has actually beamed down to the pandemonium, this pandemic. With, but he has a force field around him, so he is actually protected. Let me bring the captain in. Cap, or do you, do you, are you, it's right, you don't have access to uh, the board. Let me just bring, bring you in. Yeah, I got access, Ca- man. Oh, I- Of, 
going around, you know, going around without without any protection? Are you going around? It's funny I say protection. It used to actually mean that that to mean something else. Now it means <laughs> it means something else. Anyway, um, no, he said, he, "Yeah, go ahead, finish, finish, finish." Well, well, he was saying that, uh, yeah, you know, he was telling, like, "Are you touching door handles? Are you using cabs and not really, you know, what, you know, what, like, what are you doing? Like, he's, he's basically saying, you going to restaurants, you going to bodegas? Are you, are you, are you covering yourself up?" And he said, "Nah, you know, I've been kind of just doing what I do." And he said, "Yo, man, you, you're acting like." This you're kind of, you know if you can't breathe man you you're going to have to figure out you need to call call your medical doctor your medical you provider right away. Hospitals go. Well, look, it's not that easy. Well, well, no, he's no. not one of those. No, he's actually he's probably three quarters nog. I didn't want to mention that. He's this guy's three quarters nog. So I'm being kind actually. I think the percentage is probably higher. But anyway, what I'm saying he can't just go to the hospital because. Well, he can and he can. I mean, now they're going to come to see you in the parking lot. you got to call from the parking lot, and they will come out in hazmat suits and get you. You just can't roll up out there if you think you have symptoms. No, I mean, it's a whole different call, situation. What you got to do is call an ambulance if you got symptoms. The ambulance will take you in there. If you try to I roll told them that, there, too. Exactly. Exactly. You're, you're correct. If you try to roll up in there, they're going to come to you. You just can't go to the hospital. That is correct. That is correct. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you crazy. some nagism. I just passed mm-hmm. the park and I seen a bunch of 25 year olds. That's why I think stand up in the park playing basketball. I said, like, wow. yeah, that's it. I'm done. New York nogs. I said, I seen, I seen about 12 of them in there. I said, yo, what you doing, man? Nobody got on the mask. Nobody got on like just yo, what you doing? I wish I was police. I would just arrest them dudes, man, for being stupid. This is serious, man. I, I mean, I can't I imagine. Get, I don't get it, man. <laughs> I don't get that. I don't get it either. Because um, that would scare the hell out of me. Like, I, like exactly. I mean, first of all, you, you just don't know these people. You know what That's I mean? Right. I mean, even if they, even, I mean, I just can't, ima- I just can't imagine being that carefree like that. Either, either they have a, they have a, what is it? Is it like a YOLO thing? You only live once. I mean, is that is that what's going on here? I, mean, I do not know, man. To be in any crowded environment, is crazy. Very young to be taken out of here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, Basketball it ain't going nowhere, man. Playing June, playing July, it's not going nowhere. Why you gotta come out your house and play? It's not going anywhere. It's not one of the things. Yo, we gotta get it now, man. We gotta get this money. We got. It's not going anywhere. It's gonna be there. See what I'm saying? It'll be there. Was this some kind of army navy thing or something? I saw I saw Hell some no. other thing. Hell some, no! Some kind of regular dudes, man. Regular no, dudes no, 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 no. No, I'm not talking about that. There was an event involving the military or something that people had to go to, like you know, just New Yorkers, and, and they showed. Uh, I can look it up in a moment, but they basically showed a whole bunch of New Yorkers with no protection, kind of gathering around to see this event and a game. Just like you saw these people in the park, there are sub, there's a subset of New Yorkers that are doing stuff in groups with strangers like this is no big deal. Man, I don't get that. That mask you put on your face, they say, will not stop the virus, but it stops people coughing on you. You understand? 
or you coughing on somebody else or you sneezing on somebody else. So I'm happy with that. Also, putting on little gloves, that's going to cut stuff down. You know, they tell you, wash your hair. Wash. I got gloves on. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? That's how I'm rolling. And I've seen people in the park. Parks wasn't bad. They were like, okay, they were distant. They were like, you know, about 14 feet, 15 feet from each other. But they didn't really have protection, but they was doing their stuff. They were, Nobody was really close. So I give them that much. But uh, if we look at this a rating that you want to give these people, I'll give you about 55, man. You, you ain't passive. It's not passive great. You know what I'm saying? You're failing right now. You understand? Because even in the park, why couldn't you have your little mask on? There's nothing to get a mask, man. It don't cost no dough. Dollar, two dollars, whatever. Just get it. Gloves ain't going to crash. So you could buy a pack of gloves for like 100 for three ninety nine. Just put it on, man. Put it on. Make people feel better in case you go, achoo, you ain't sneezing on me. I'm good. <laughs> I ain't dealing with that. There's a lot. I don't normally uh, <laughs> mention these things on air, but, uh, well, look, you know me for, for many years, and I think some of, some of my affect, some of my affect is kind of um, the crew, uh, the inner sanctum has up on. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sally, you know, um, we know our friend Sally, uh, you, her husband, and some others started carrying the, these uh, Banaka Blasts or these Listerine, they, they, I think they discontinued. Do you believe, I th- have you seen those? I think they might, you might be able to get them, but they seem to be going down, those Listerine sprays. I, I, I was you, always they that. They got some spray out there you can still get, though. Yeah, you can still get like a knockoff. But the reason why yeah. I mention this, I'm just, I'm just mentioning this to our listenership because I, I, I want them to be on board the Afternoon team fully. So I'm going to give them some game. You, for, the, for the folks that are listening, if, you're, if you think your breath stinks, it probably does. You need to be having some stuff. Uh, look, I, I'm the guy that, that just thought of things. Um, I have a, to- a toiletry bag at the corporate space or in the back of my car. I always got a little something that uh, if I'm away from... Affinard, your mic just went out. Affinard, your mic just went out. Hello? Hello? Let me see. Let me see. Q, can you hear me, Q? Let me go to Q. Tells me that Q, can you hear me? Yes. All right, you, you're good. You're good. I don't know what happened to Affinard. He just went out. Continue episode. Uh, what are we going to talk about in the interim while we're waiting for him to come back? I don't know how he just went out, man. Boy, the cat just disappeared, man. What are we going to talk about? Q, talk about anything. <laughs> talk about Cap, that, man. Cap, I, I'm, I'm worried about you, brother. <laughs> what you worried about? You sound a little, this is not the Cap I'm used to hearing. You sound a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I can't think of the word. I don't want to say excited. Panic. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm feeling. I'm feeling a little too good. I'm worried about that, man. I'm feeling like better than myself. I said to Afner earlier. I said, "Y'all be careful with that right now, man," because that's kind of like how I'm, how I'm feeling. I said, "I don't know why I'm feeling that good in a time like this." So, so you are right. I'm a little worried myself too, <laughs> a little bit. Good well, observation, sir. What were you guys uh what were you guys debating about? You said you saw some nogs doing what playing basketball or something? 
what was some, it? I saw some nogs playing basketball, and then I saw people in the park. They they were distant. You don't want to know anybody close, but they weren't. Uh, I would say with a mask and with like gloves, because you sneeze with somebody, the mask is gonna stop that. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't stop the actual. They, they'll tell you that. They say it doesn't like, stop the virus, but you ain't sneezing on me. Make the people feel better. You know what I'm saying? Just run around. If you got a jog, you got this. I know you're getting stir fever, everybody. You know what I'm saying? But I think overall, people are still. If I was given a grade, it's a 55, man. You're still not up to par. You're not taking it seriously as of yet. That's my grading from what I see right here in New York City. I'm back. Okay, you're back. Can you hear me? Good. I'm sorry yes, about that. I, uh, again, you know, do we need any more reasons why we have to leave this format? Really? <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I'm just going to keep it short. For the, the people listening, you need to be on top of your hygiene game. And I think I might be rocking a mask and gloves from, from here on out. 2022, I'm still rocking this same look. It's too much. But to the, to the people listening, if you don't have, I'm, I'm assuming some of these folks are, are, are uh, upper-tiered individuals or mid-tier people, you need to have some toiletries on you wherever you go. I mean, this is just simple and plain. You might want to have a, a washcloth with you, uh, a toothpaste, um, uh, so, you know, just to make sure you can kind of get yourself together throughout the course of the day. It amazes me that I see people that don't conduct themselves this way. You need to have, if you're a grown man, uh, women, we should, I, I wouldn't even want to say this. I mean, I think there's some women rolling around this way, but I think women might be a little bit better on this. But, you know, we're in a different times now. Everybody wants to, be, wants to play like they're the same. Everyone, everyone wants to play like they're the same. But, again, I must, I'm just saying it. I'm very um, vigilant about my breath, especially when you're in open spaces with people, you're conversing, you want to be pleasant. You know, and this whole thing of people, because I, I think, you know, the whole thing is you come across someone, male or female, that is actually a great conversationalist. Those are the ones, the ones that can speak very well and are engaging, and their breath is ODB damn. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, dear. Not older. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just saying, get yourself a Banaka blast. Get a couple of them. Have them. Have them on your personage. Don't assume you leave the house. The way a person can leave the house at 8 a.m. and you brush your teeth, you go. Through, you should be flossing and brushing. But even beyond that, uh, and then you know, half the day goes by and you have no way to kind of brush up and and, and kind of re-engage. You know, just to kind of. This is what I do throughout the course of the day. I'm always flossing, brushing, and spraying my mouth because I know that when I'm around people. And look, I like to be attracted to women. I don't give a damn about these nogs. But to women, especially, you come across someone, you want to be sure that at least your breath is on point. At least. I'm just saying. So this COVID thing, this COVID thing is really a long time coming, unfortunately. It just is. Shout out to NYPD. reason why I'm saying that because every police officer I seen while I was out today had on his mask and had on his gloves. I didn't see any police officer not rolling like that in NYC. So shout out to them, man. Good job, man. You know what I'm saying? 
whether they were in the car, whether they was walking on the beat, whatever. They were good. They were good. Yeah, so um, I want to talk just a little bit more about this thing, and then we're going to go. we got about an hour left, and there's a few other things I kind of want to touch on um, beyond COVID-19. But, you know, unfortunately, this COVID deal is, is so inter, interconnected with everything else. You start to really see how motion – this is like a captain topic – but how uh, inertia and motion, I mean, physical inertia and motion really means everything yep. to this economy. You know, like, look, I need to get my behind back into the gym. I can't even go there. The gym, matter of fact, I don't know how I'm going to do the gym thing. I mean, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> Come June. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, but you, look, you know, you you are a, a, a gym head. Like, how not are you? me, man. <laughs> Ain't nothing happening, man. June, I'll go back. Because I always wow. say, I say June? gym is really June. Not, yeah, June, that's it. Gym is June, not really I... important. You know what I'm saying? There's a few things, and that's one of them. That's a luxury. What people don't realize, going to the gym is a luxury. If you're a broke dude, you're not really going to go in no gym unless they go, it's $100. They might give you $100. If a gym is three fifty, four hundred, five hundred dollars, you gotta be working. You know what I'm saying? So it's a luxury item. And in a situation like this, you get rid of luxury. You ain't gonna die. You can build yourself back up in three months. I'll be built back up. It ain't no big deal. So if I shrink, I get flabby, whatever. I don't really care. I'm good, man. I'm good, man. You know what I'm saying? Yes, ain't, I'm, ain't no, I'm not. I say ain't no big deal on that one, boy. I'll pass, man. My lights is on. That's good. My my rent is paid. That's good. I can say that better than most people because most people, the rent is due. You got to tell your landlord not. Yo, I ain't got it. But so I'm good. You know what I'm saying? My money's right. I can stay rocking like this. If I had nothing coming in for a good six months, I'm good. I'm a little bit better prepared than most people. But it's only myself. So there you go. I don't have the wife, the kids, and all that other stuff. So I'm not really worried. So right now, I'm feeling good. Feeling good about myself you know, and the situation. Well, look, we, we, we've got, I, I mean, I've heard folks that were talking about, um, you know, uh, comic books and and movies and all that stuff doesn't matter. But it does matter. It does matter to, listen, it matters to the Afro Radio Machine because a large component of our subject matter deals with this stuff. So, I, you know, when we have listeners that have issues like, well, why, you know, why are you talking about X, Y, and Z? I'm like, well, we're going to talk about it because, you know, whether it's on the de- decline or, or the uh, incline, we have to talk about this stuff. But it, 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 Afro Nerd is, you know, we deal with, like, digital comic books, di- you know, print, uh, comic book movies, science fiction, science. All these things matter. You know what I mean? They do matter. They matter to – we got to get this we – we have to get to some kind of normalcy, normalcy or, or if not normalcy – the expectation that, okay, how do we flip this? Because money has to be made. We have to get back to motion. So this might be uh, a good thing in disguise. I mean, look, it's never good dealing, dealing with a pandemic. But as far as trying to rejigger an economy, you know, we should be learning from these things. You know, maybe it's time to have multi-tiered income streams for the, for the regular guy. Because no one wants to be in this kind of position. Like people need to people need to seriously figure that 
figure, figure that out. Pivot to that kind of thinking. How do we get multi-tiered income streams? Because um, these, these corporate structures don't give a damn about you. It's debatable if your government gives a damn about you. I was just reading a piece about Hobby Lobby. Now, I liked Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby is, you know, kind of on the afternoon tip. It, it's an arts and crafts store. But it's not, it's not a store that is a, a, a necessity uh, unless you are the CEO of Hobby Lobby. So I'm going to read this quickly about how some folks are, are sneakily getting down and taking, taking advantage of folks that, you know, it's like work or die. I mean, that's kind of where we are right now. Oh, work and die is really more accurate. So I'm reading this. Yeah, work and die. I mean, is Hobby Lobby essential? So you have to. You have to I have to. I have to tell you this. I mean, this is this is what's happening. This is the true nature of man. Man does not give an f about you. So this is from MSN.com. Hobby Lobby defies shutdown orders. Reopens some stores. As Hobby Lobby continues its mission to keep doors open. In the face of the coronavirus, the arts and crafts retailer is quietly reopening stores around the country, defying state stay-at-home policies. On Monday, the company resumed business in several states where it had been forced to temporarily close. A March 28th memo obtained by, memo obtained by Business Insider equipped managers with talking points for how to respond and communicate if visited by a local authority that asks why we are open. You see, you see what's going on here? In a That's separate crazy. leaked, in a separate leaked note sent early. <laughs> okay, and then, mind you, I'm interrupting. I have to add a little. Mind you, what, what are people dying for construction paper? You need that construction paper now. Affluent. <laughs> <laughs> we lost that for night again. All right, I'm going to say this. All right? They don't like Afrener today. Let me ask you a question. Now, you see how they push back the movies and everything, right? Does the audience come all the way back next year if the movies, if everything's working fine? Do they come right away back? Do you feel pressured like how you did before? Not all of you, because some of you didn't feel pressured. The majority, well, I got to see this movie this Friday. I don't know about that. Maybe maybe you say, I'll see it in a month. Maybe i wait till it goes on to streaming, because it's really not that important. Now, I think sports will come back, mainly because, on TV, you're sitting in front of it, and you just turn it on, and it's a go. That's have you I noticed? Think. Have you noticed that when I cut the heat on, these bastards knock me the hell off, Captain? Hey, he, when I cut <laughs> when I cut the heat on, I'm telling you, we're an observation. We got to get <laughs> off of this platform. We are being observed. When I cut that Bunsen burner arm and stick it up that rectum, not my own, somebody else's. Preferably female for this conversation. She wants to wiggle away from that Bunsen burner. I'm just saying. Sounds kind of kinky, though. <laughs> Sounds kind of kinky with the feet. Anyway, <laughs> let a little, little bit of Afro-Nordism slipping out. Okay, let me, let me break. Bites here. Let's do a bite you want to Oh, here we, here we go. <laughs> Hold on. 
Let me let me, before we bring him in. Let me finish this Hobby Lobby nonsense. Uh, okay. Of the three stores closed in Wisconsin, at least one was forcibly shuttered by police officers after briefly opening on Monday, according to That's local good. reports. An employee at this store told Business Business Insider on Monday that the store was closed by employees, uh, but employees were there working on projects. A similar incident was reported in Jeffersonville, Indiana, where local authorities forced the store to close after it was open for one hour on Monday morning. Uh, I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, Hobby Lobby, you're selling construction paper, but you, you deem yourself to be a necessity. Really? People's lives, they don't care about your life, man. Wow. Now let's bring in bison. That's just one. A lot of animalistic behavior going down right now. Bison, fellow yes. HBCU graduate, how are you, sir? I'm well, Jonah. How are you and your families coping with doing this? We're doing okay. We're doing, doing okay. Well. Doing well so far. Yeah, so far. Well, I, I came in very late, so um, I'll just speak on the, the, the topic at hand. You know Hoppy Lobby, they, they have very conservative religious um, organizations, sort of like Chick-fil-A. Um, mm. So, I mean, I have one relative near me. I haven't been inside of it, never will. Um, but there are a lot of companies like that. Heck, you got states that still haven't issued statewide um, stay-at-home orders. So it is what it is, but, I mean, you know. But I, I, it goes to how Americans have been socialized when it comes to work. I mean, Americans still have this advantage of, um, you know, live to work instead of, you know, vice versa. I mean, I, I had a lesson a long time ago. I learned as a very young officer when I was at Howard, this general came and spoke to us, and he said, he remember when he was at the Pentagon, this guy who spent all his days and, you know, late nights, and he had a heart attack and died at his desk. Had a heart wow. attack. He said, like, an hour or two later, you know, they moved the body and somebody else was at the desk mm-hmm. doing work. So, you know, what that means, that that stuck with me at the end of the day. The organization will move on. The organization will be the organization. If someone who's worked in very large organizations, very small organizations, um, we as Americans are defined by our work. And very few people have their profession on a tombstone. And then you don't see, you know, here lies Afro nerd, financial analyst. You know, you're not going to have that you know, <laughs> when, we, when, we, when we pass on. So that's why you got to find some kind of work-life balance. But I do want to push back on a couple of things in regards to what you said regarding to sports. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the economic climate is going to be upon return. New York is a different animal. Let's just say crap and giggles, it comes back in July or August. And we'll be in a full-fledged they're, they're, they're spinning and say it's like an extended recession. It'll be a depression. Depre- exactly. I mean, you think going to be MSG going to be paying $500 for a seat or something like that. <laughs> you know, I did something there. I kind of did a um, like, okay, I'm going to keep these streaming services. I'm going to let these go. You know, you got to kind of you know, almost like you're getting laid off. You got to say, okay, what can I live with? You know, what can I not live with? I mean, I mm-hmm. went to my local comic book store. I said, I'll see you later. And I made some decisions. And the comic books aren't essential. Hello? 
Yeah, you know, what happened to him? I don't know. I don't, well, I tell you, <laughs> we're under observation. You're being observed. You're not really saying anything. So, Bison, if you can hear me, so sports is not going to come back, you're saying? If you can hear me, Bison. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Okay, um, all right. So, so I apologize for that. You know, life takes over. Um, but, you know, what is essential? I mean, I was listening to Bloomberg today where commercial real estate is tanking. I mean, I'm hearing CEOs saying, look, you know, there was a seamless switchover from, you know, working in the uh, conference room and working from the living room. So, you know, on the other side, you know, it may be, you know, teleworking Zoom may be the normal. And let's not even talk about education. I think education is going to really change, you know, between now and the fall. I saw where in California they waving SATs now. Into college. So we don't know what the new normal is going to be, but I do know this. I mean, like, do I do you need comic books? Do I need do I need to see Black Widow? That's true. And the sad part is we don't have. I don't see a new deal coming out of this generation, out of this administration. At the end of the day, they may realize that later when this economy is still stumbling and bumbling. But they're going to have to have a CCC Conservation Corps, a WPA or something, where they got to get Americans back to work. And here's another thing you guys haven't heard. You know nobody's picking any vegetables. You know that's a looming crisis right there. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually the food supply is going to get a little janky because, mm-hmm. hey, they kind of closed the borders, and now you got this. So crops aren't being picked right now. So Americans may have to start doing some jobs where Americans kind of say they're, they're above doing, like picking crops and fixing railroad tracks and fixing and making roads and you know kind of building up the infrastructure. Maybe what has to, maybe what has to be done is America might have to pay the Ameri- Americans to fix the the infrastructure because there's no airline industry, there is no hotel, there's no hospitality industry. There's no retail industry. Retail is 80% of the American workforce. Do you think people are going to be worried about seeing LeBron playing Kawhi, you know, in, in, on a cruise ship or something like that? I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. And I'm saying I don't know. I'm not being facetious. I don't know. I, just, I don't think this generation's American threshold of pain is the same as it was in the Great Depression. And the thing which I'm worried about, and I know you covered this at the beginning, so forgive me if I'm touching over some, you know, something you've gone over already. We as a community are very vulnerable right now. We're vulnerable um, to this pandemic, and we're vulnerable to shifts in the economy. And we lost a lot. I mean, the, the 2008 financial really killed black wealth. And this may be the goddamn stake driven into the heart. Just take it all out. I mean, we might have to do what our forefathers did. You know, you know, aunts and uncles, you know, you might have to have four or five generations living in one house to kind of make it. Because we were sort of so quick to throw out our kids at 18, you know, go in the Army, go to college, get a job, or you got to get out of here. But where other races, they left the house when they got married, so they was able to save up, pay for a down payment on the house or what have you. So now, you know, 
we're at a point where, you know, we just don't have as much stability. And, you know, you got children living on 3,000 miles away from mom and daddy. Mom and daddy are susceptible to this. You know, how how, that, how is that going to work? I just stop and listen. Well, you know, um, Bison, you're saying some, some very important things. And um, what comes to my mind is many of the things that were discussed with the um, – with with the uh, uh, what's it called Moynihan report, the 1960s Moynihan report, where um, the black family was in trouble when it was like I think 20 percent or 25 percent of black households were were female headed. Um, I, I lose I didn't lose lose my mic there. <laughs> anyway, we would kill to have 20 25 percent. Uh, of our uh, homes with that kind of metrics. Now it's 75, 80%. There's got to be more discussions on really honing in on the black family, like the, the traditional black family. And it seems that, I, and I, to the chagrin of some folks, they think I'm anti alternative lifestyles or, or alternative lives or what have you. I'm not. I'm not anti, but I'm also very suspicious of the campaigning. For black life to 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 um, the black life as if this is the poster child for um, gay men, gay men and gay women. When I don't know if the metrics really bear that out, it seems like the, I don't see other communities having that same kind of push for that. And ultimately, ultimately, we do have to have men and women doing the traditional thing just to survive just to be able to have uh, generational wealth. So I, I don't know why, you know, this, the discussion has to be anti-anything. You know, being, being, there used to be a, a, a discussion of whether being pro-black means you're anti-white. And I, I was always raised that being pro-black is not anti-white. It doesn't even really operate that way. When someone says they're pro-white, it's a whole different situation. But when someone says they're pro-black, hell, you have white people involved in pro-black movements historically it's not even about that so um this coronavirus thing has a lot of elements you know i, I want to mention we have another caller from the 404 i'm going to bring their bring them in in a moment but i i revisited a documentary on youtube anyone can check this out again and, and I, I know that bison would appreciate this that was a documentary there's several documentaries really on Madam C.J. Walker, really setting the story straight. And this documentary is probably 35 years old, maybe, maybe late 70s, I think. And they, uh, they had actually interviewed some former workers under the Madam C.J. Walker franchise. And, so, and they, so they were able to talk about knowing her personally. And the way that, the way that they described the, her business acumen and the fact that there was there was a theater in her at her headquarters in Indiana at a time where you know black people you know this was still Jim Crow um, black people weren't allowed to visit white some white theaters if you did you had to be in the in the nosebleed seats in in the rafters practically but um, a Carl Van Vechten's quote unquote nigger heaven book. That's what that was about, 
was about where black people actually sat in these theaters. So anyway, when you hear her story and how that dollar, you, I mean, it's, it's very disheartening to hear in 1920, 1915, how black folks were actually very sophisticated, how that money was moving around, how she had, the, you know, she had the movie theater, and black people were so prideful of the movie theater, and then they, ha- and then you had uh, uh, black. Uh, uh, movie producers, black productions to 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 allow the the theater to kind of navigate. It wasn't just showing white films that black people weren't allowed to see in white theaters, but they actually had black productions in a black theater in a black in a in, in a black uh, building that was this that was really you know had uh, restaurants. I mean, this was this one was a lot a lot bigger and more impactful than we will ever know. They also talked about Alilia Walker, her daughter, and you know how she Sergio would appreciate this. You know she was notable for the dark the dark tower, where she had these um, in Harlem, where she had these these black artists and and poets and and musicians and authors and that kind of thing. But then when she would when they would go back to her, to her mansion in Irvington, New York, she would have classical black artists there. So I don't see how Tiffany Haddish was able to translate that. You know, someone, uh, I think it was Tariq Ashid even mentioned that Tiffany Haddish still had kind of her, uh, her South L.A. accent. She said it, she wouldn't even speak that. She said the, the real Alilia would not speak like that. This woman was, you know, having cotillions and and, 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 uh, and having um, multiracial guests in Westchester, New York, discussing classical music. That's not Tiffany Haddish. So, I mean, it's, it's some of the things that we were doing because of the dire circumstances of the day are going to have to be, be revisited. And we need to be looking at the archives far more closely than ever. Anyway, let's go to 404. Welcome to the midweek. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. I think this is Nas? Yeah, this is Nas. What's up, man? What's up, boss? All right, not much. Listening to y'all, man, uh, I think Bison Bison kind of hit where you were trying to get to, though, Afro. Uh, When you talk about the whole family unit thing, I think Bison hit it. It's going to be extended family. So we're talking about really old, old, old school black black tradition where you're going to see extended families living together. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to make some kind of argument against conservative ideas about the Monaghan Report and anything else. I'm saying that just because of what we're looking at. Like, I don't think the average American realizes how dire this situation is. Uh, when Bison said we need something like, the, you know, WTA or, or something like that, no, this is even beyond that. That first package and first two packages we saw, so-called stimulus, those were stimulus packages. Like, those were just to get to baseline. We're gonna, there's going to be three, at least three or four stimulus packages before all this is said and done. Like the people who think we're going to shake this off and everything will be the same within a year are out of their mind. Uh, we're talking about whole industries not existing anymore or not being anything that anybody wants to invest in. So if you're creating a new app that finds the best pizza in your local neighborhood, guess what? Nobody's giving you any money for that kind of stuff anymore, man. Like this, this is going to be – like real old school, you might as well call this socialism. Uh, the government is basically going to be 60% of GDP, 
most corporations are going to be basically upheld by government money to keep them rolling until things kind of turn around. And you know the government is going to have to tax these companies on the other side of this when all this is said and done because you're going to have federal deficits that are just, you know, outstanding. You're going to have state deficits that are crazy, city deficits, like all all of these different municipalities are going to be over-levered to the point of we're just operating at deficit with the idea of the bonds will pay it off later. Uh, You're going to get people to buy treasury notes, you know, do what you can. But, yeah, we're looking at a real dire situation. As he brought up with commercial real estate, like once you start, you know, looking through the data and you realize, okay, we can be just as productive at home with certain jobs as we can being in a building, paying for, you know, Internet and, you know, lights and everything else, renting a building, these companies aren't going to be there, like period. (laughs) And at that point, commercial real estate is going to have to pivot to residential, and how do you split up most of these buildings into lofts that people can afford in a situation where the government is basically bankrolling damn near everybody? That's That's what we're looking at. Like this is not some quick thing that's going to be over. And then we look at this long term. Think about a, a bio, uh, what would you call it, a bio license to say that you are not affected by whatever affliction is, is going on at the time. Like that's the, kind of, that's the kind of long-term, you know, big hand of government stuff that we're looking at right now because you can't have a society without people being able to gather. You can't have events. You can't have all these different things. But you're going to have to have some kind of way uh, to really justify people getting together after this is done and then you got to think about the prep and the infrastructure needed to handle this if it happens again. You know, the shock absorbers you're going to need so you don't get caught cold like we did this time. So, you know, this, this is this is a long-term thing we're looking at here. Now, did, did you guys bring up the movie receipts already? No, but, I mean, I know that um, I believe Bison even tweeted something out, and I didn't even want to discuss it because it was so troubling. Was it like five thousand for the week or something like that in movie receipts? That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Like uh, the, the, the entire week. the entire industry was like five grand. It's over. Five that's, grand. That, that's over. Five. I mean, grand. hey Niles, hey Niles, a quick thing. What you said is very true, and I think you know China has something sort of like a social credit rating they give every citizen, in regards to uh-huh. you know if they're beneficial to the state. And I wouldn't be surprised if something like that is implemented here in regards to, you know, are you 100% over the virus? Are you 50% over the virus? And are you viable as a worker or whatever, whatever? So that really ties into what you you just said. But then you're talking about restricting freedom of movement, and we're getting into that whole, you know, that whole Benjamin Franklin quote, freedom for security and all of that. That all sounds well and good, but when things are on fire, like right now, Look, companies are calling the White House, letting them know, like, look, if we don't have this, we don't exist. Now, the airlines and the hotels, like, they shouldn't, have, they shouldn't be getting stimulus money. They're not essential services. You would usually go by capitalism and say, look, if your airline fails, somebody comes in and buys it. They get all your hubs. They get all your planes. Uh, you know, just a transition. But if there's no buyer on the back end, how do you let them go up for sale? You can't. And that's why they ended up getting a little piece of the sugar as well. So we're, we're basically propping up every industry that we can. And, and the nations who don't have good credit 
uh, as far as from the rest of the globe, who the rest of the globe doesn't want to buy bonds from, those nations can't even do what we're doing. The idea of stimulus, they can't even do that. They're going to go into an austerity economy where they're going to shrink their GDP, their debt is going to get bigger, and there's really no way out. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Well, so I tell you this much. is I, actually an advantage. I tell you this much. I, I'm curious as to, I mean, you know, I say this with kind of a, a, a hope, doubt it, because this is the way human nature operates. But, you know, we're, you, we're supposed to be learning from these kind of things. And from, yes. from here out, from here on now, like once we get beyond this thing, and there's, we spoke about this on the last show, that, you know, coronavirus is not the worst that it can get. You know, there are other coronaviruses that are exponentially even, I mean, that are just hard. More, you can like imagine that how horrific can it be. But, yes, it could get worse. So right. my thing is, <laughs> well, you, well, let me finish my point. My thing is, it, there was a large swath of the voting public that approved of this person, President Trump. They approved of it, knowing full well that he really doesn't have the, the, the skill set to do this job. Okay? So are we going to go down this road again? where we don't start to really look at people for, like, okay, we kind of know you have some sense. But even beyond that, because of this particular situation, you know, this guy got rid of a pandemic um, organization or pandemic, pandemic council that was set up under the Obama administration just because. So right. um, next time around, like, New York City is a known global hub. If we knew people from the Wuhan province was coming down with this stuff, and we know that, that, that a lot of people will be coming back and forth from China, from, from Asia, who potentially might have had this issue, there should, should have been parameters to push it, pull them to the side, check you out, or you can't come in here, just, just because of what's going on. That didn't happen. Uh-huh. I mean, we gotta, I mean sure. what's the likelihood? Like that, that should not happen ever again this way that if you if you know something and vice versa if we came down with some ish and we're trying to get to france and, and we know and france knows that something's going on in america they got to tell us that we can't you can't have you in here we gotta we gotta quarantine you at the air at the airport you're not going to go into society we why did i mean right. the, just the nature of new york city why was it allowed to happen when we knew this was going on in December. In November of 19, we knew this was going down in, 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 in China. We're going to go through this again? It wasn't supposed to be so bad. It wasn't supposed to be so bad, bro. Come on. <laughs> See, but but that, that's the danger of electing a populist. In a situation like this, you need a bean counter, somebody who's been through government, understands budgets, understands how to handle emergencies, and also understands that, look, Safeguarding yourselves to be able to handle a heavy punch is always the best policy, even if you have to overspend. I'm in Atlanta. Years ago, there was a uh, little blizzard here, and the mayor tried to prepare for it buying ice trucks and, you know, the, the snow melt and all that other stuff. The Republicans savaged him for it, said he wasted money, you know, whatever was supposed to happen didn't happen. And then the next year it actually happened, and that's when you saw that uh, Atlanta Palooza where everybody was stuck on the road walking and leaving their cars and everything else. Like, how you govern matters. And we can't be out here voting for people because they say some things that we like, like catchy catchphrases 
and stuff like that. Like there are serious consequences when you're talking about the office that high as you know, as Afro was laying out. So if we had preparation in place, this punch wouldn't have hit as hard. Okay, so now the punch is going to get hard, and we have to figure out how to pivot. Now, sports, look, you can't have a society without your bread and services. So sports is going to come back to a certain extent, but when they can let the crowds in, I don't know. It might be, like he was saying, off on a ship or, you know, just some live TV thing, and people are going to watch. So that's going to happen and the owners are going to lose all that money that they would get from people being at the game, but they're going to take that back from the players at negotiations, the, you know, the basketball-related income. They're going to say, look, we're taking a bath on this. You guys got to kick in. So, you know, that part's going to happen. But it's going to be what? You got kids at home, adults at home, everybody on their computers. It's going to be some amazing sparks coming out of this. There's going to be some amazing connections with families because people are going to be spending much more time with their families. And when we think about how much we complained about how much we, time we spend on our phones and how we kind of avoid each other to a certain degree sometimes, well, maybe this thing is going to force us to kind of uh, fix some of that stuff. And we won't see so many Generation Z kids who are awkward with people but completely comfortable on social media and behind the camera. Maybe all this human interaction may be good for them, the, the human interaction at home around the people around us. So there's got to be some good sides to this. But overall, the situation is dire, and we're still being kind of slowly fed information because it appears that they don't want people to panic. And by doing that, it's going to make it seem worse because some people are expecting Easter to seem like a whole new beginning when it's like, no, bro, that's when we're just digging our heels in for this fight. Well, let me mention this also. You know, I've always been one of those people that uh, I I never felt like we should throw out old technology just because. Like, you know, um, at one time, like the electric car has been around for more than 100 years. But then at some point it didn't seem feasible, but it was explored a long time ago. Then we find out now we have to revisit the electric car. So what am I getting at? Uh, I used to love drive-in theaters. Love it, especially in the New York area where um, there was one Westbury Drive in, in Long Island, Westbury, Long Island, and uh, it makes it makes for it makes for kind of a an impressive but cheap date. So what I would do is go to the you know take a young lady to the drive-in because especially if someone's like from Brooklyn or Manhattan, they really weren't familiar with drive-in. They thought you know the drive-in was something that just went away, and to to a certain degree it did, but there were still a few. If you knew where they were, there was one further out in Suffolk County, and there was one in Nassau County, as I said, uh, Westbury Drive-In. And then at some point, uh, the mega theater, mega, mega screens, you know, it, that had to go. I mean, you know, because the, the, uh, the drive-in theater is a seasonal business, but the, the, the community was, was really lobbying to keep this thing because it was such a, such a, a fondness for that kind of feel to have a if you have a if you have a um an open air vehicle in the summertime it's kind of romantic it's cool and 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 I would go to the beach after the theater so I had a whole thing with that theater thing now all of a sudden because of social distancing now more people are talking about what the drive in theater but the, I I never thought the drive in theater should have gone away anyway but um corporate interests just like the Hobby Lobby people that want you to work, work till you die, um, it was they felt well, you know, why why should we have 
Why should we have a drive-in theater when we can, you know, stack people up, damn if they cough with each other, stack people up in a, a twenty theater, a twenty theater building versus a three-screen parking lot? Now we now we got to come back to the original. Sometimes the first idea is the best idea. So I find it. What are your thoughts about? And I hope that they do return. There's a few going upstate, but I'm not going upstate to to to, to go to a, a drive-in. But the, there's have you been hearing more talk? I mean, for obvious reasons that maybe we might want to bring back the drive-in theater. No, I haven't, but that's a good idea. And, and there's going to be many ideas similar to that where you say, okay, look, this thing might be looked at as retro, and we might have gotten rid of it on the basis of, like you said, corporate ideals. But the reality of it is things have to change, but people are still going to want to have fun. Nobody's going to sit in the house all the time, doom and gloom and everything else. And and once people start figuring out, okay, who's not affected, who is affected, and how much freedom of movement can I have, then you, you've got to figure out different ideas, man. So, like, the gym industry right now, okay, <laughs> that's in the toilet. How do you fix wow. that? There, there's there's got to be a similar workaround to what Apple Nerd just used for the movie industry. Yeah, um, that's a good I mean, I, look, I, I have a lot of ideas, even with the gym thing. I think the gym thing just has to have, like, a true membership in the sense that um, you're going to have a, a people, a, a select amount of people at a select time, like you, that was might even be more advantageous for uh, for people working out and wanting to be for, for it to work. In other words, the true gym head, you have to come in at this time, or you call us and say you're not going to make it, and somebody takes your spot to ensure that we have X amount of people and no more. Because normally, especially like at the top of the year, the the gym is full, like they you know, it's just packed. Now you're going, to, you're going to have to force people to say, okay, if you're serious, you have to come in. You have to come in here Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or you lose your spot. That yeah. to ensure yeah. that to ensure there's X amount of people in here. We can only have 20 people in the gym at one time. We can't have <laughs> 70 people in this gym. Right. Well, well, I the, think the, it's more so of cost. I mean, there's still local jurisdictions that have gyms, I mean, maybe the, the L.A. fitness may go away and you might have to go to your local city or county gym. And maybe instead of going at 6 in the afternoon, you may have to go at 2 in the morning because, you know, space is going to be limited. And the thing with going back to what you're speaking about in regards to the drive-in, it's a couple of things. One, um, it's real estate. And two, the multiplex grew because they can make more money by showing more, more films. So, you know, retro is fine up to a point, but, you, you know, you dealt with finance. Is that a viable revenue stream? And in heavily urban areas, you know, that's just not viable to have, a, you know, a, I don't know, 200, 300-car parking lot to show a, a film. But who knows? Yeah, well, well you know what? Have to be dual, it'll, it'll be dual usage. It won't just be that. But then we we got to remember one thing. You guys start off the conversation saying, what is the new normal? And when you say the new normal, that also means price point. Theaters who are used to getting X amount also have to look at the new world and say, okay, that's not possible anymore, but this number is possible if we do this. There's an Indian brother on uh, Recode with Kara Swisher the other day. Kind of really astute dude, billionaire type, so, you know, some of his stuff is fluffy. But one thing, one point he made that kind of stuck with me is he said, 
CEOs in the last era were price makers. These same CEOs now will be price takers. They will have things dictated to them based on price point. They're not walking into the room anymore and just dominating people. Like those days are gone. And the days of, of doing stock buybacks and repatriation where you're hiding money and all that, that is gone too because if you're taking Uncle Sugar's money, Uncle Sugar actually gets to look at your books now. So the, the whole captain of industry thing is going to change, man. And we're going to see some real strange events up in these next few months about who gets out and who just tries to, you know, figure out a way to just get liquid and not well, well, any part of whatever industry they were in. Well, well look, the bottom line is, um, this, despite what what uh, Michael Douglas said in in uh, what was the movie he did? Wall was it Wall Street? Wall Street. Yes, sir. Um, greed is not always good. See, it's it's the greed that when you're trying to get this money up front. That on the back end, you end up getting sued for for millions, if not billions of dollars. Um, a, pan, a pandemic, which no one could have predicted, but a, a pandemic occurs, and you end up losing your money anyway. So what I'm saying is uh, maybe – I'm just kind of brainstorming here, but maybe even when it comes down to the movie industry, maybe you're going to have to have, have it set up that when you order your tickets, which is, which is what, what we've been doing now anyway. The captain and myself are in a sense that we order online, and we get, we get our seating. Now, that theater's got to be half the half full like it was before. Like it's got to, it can't be the way it was. So if, if you buy your tickets, your whatever you know, first come first serve, the first fifty people, and then that's it, and you're all spread out. The remainder, you have the option of spending your twenty bucks on having that thing beamed in at home. So Black Widow, for the select few that want to see it in the theater, they can see it in the theater, but it's going to be a, a less the population has to be less. The remainder that you could have a, a digital copy of it or whatever it is, or just just for you. You know, and that's another thing too. Maybe because of piracy, I don't know how that, that will work. But you're going to have to get some kind of special download that only lasts for that hour or two hours, and then it's gone. You know, okay, so that's one way of doing it. And then you got to maybe another safety valve is the return of the drive-in. You, you know, greed greed only t- goes so far. But if you were more prudent, because some of the things that, that, that are going on right now, um, even when they're talking about the respirators and all these kind of things, all this medical equipment, there were, I've been hearing stories that they could, have had, they could have ordered these things in abundance so many years ago just to have them like in a store, just in case. But that, well, you know, there's nothing going on now, so we don't need this. No one wants to think of a precautionary for a rainy day. That, that for a rainy day mentality has to return. So even even when it comes down to dealing with a virus, when we could have been repaired, we opted for greed. So opting for greed doesn't look good right now. The drive-in theater have uh, you know less seating for movie theaters, and maybe have uh, an option where you could you could you could only have a finite amount of time to look at look at the th- look at a movie at, at home, and, and then it goes away. What are your what are your thoughts? Your guess is good as mine, bro. Those, those sound like viable options, man. And again, this is what this is what the new economy is going to be about. People brainstorming, trying to figure things out. Because I, I promise you, in all these boardrooms, that's what's going on. Uh, I guess via via Zoom or Skype or whatever, people are trying to figure this stuff out. And they're they're looking at a landscape and saying, okay, how I used to do things doesn't exist. Which workers are 
non-essential at this point because we're so used to thinking of low-wage workers as non-essential because that's kind of baked into the cake of American thinking. But now you're going to realize middle management is probably the people who are most in trouble because some of those positions just will never be filled again. So, yeah, all of the ideas that, that people are throwing on the table, man, you just got to keep throwing them because that's what this is about. Let me mention something else. It says, you know, we, we, we do talk about comic books here. And, of course, the comic book industry is taking a hit. I mean, many of these – I mean, it's just about everything, you know, whether it's restaurants, comic books, um, you know, the hairstylist. My father was, was a hairstylist, so, I mean, um, I mean that, that can't go away per se. I mean, that, that's about grooming. But at the same time, it's gone away for the moment, and how do you come back if these, 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 uh, these businesses have to pay rent, and they can't because of the coronavirus? And, I mean, so – so I guess what I'm saying is, in the case of the comic book, let's say you talk about comic shops specifically. We know that Diamond Distributors that they that they suspended distribution of comic books, and they're the, they're the, the the main distributor of comic books in North America. So you know now, Marvel, DC, Image, all those books, they don't know where to go, and they've got to come up with alternate ways of distributing books. Um, I hear that Marvel. Marvel's print and digital has been has been suspended, and I believe that just DC's print has been suspended, but that digital is operational. Um, there is an alternate distributor that's kind of coming up now, Comics Hub, that I've been reading about. And now, comic what Comics Hub wants to do is they want to be able to take orders, and you get a you get a digital. But you also take an order for you to get that print eventually. So it's like taking uh taking the money, you get your print of you know, I think sent to you or something, but uh or you get it later on. So what are your thoughts about at least they're trying to kinda pr- provide an alternative to whereas Diamond said we're shutting it down. Because now you have these, these comic book companies that can't disseminate books. Because the distributor is shutting it down. So how do you distribute books? Yeah, well, all, all things that are kind of, you know, discretionary spending have to get leaner and meaner. So, yeah, doing it through the mail, doing it through, like you said, digital copies or whatever, like those are things that are going to have to be done. Brick and mortar is going to be hard to do, especially for industries where you're, you're, you're planning on people just having extra cash to spend. And typically people are going to be a little more careful about what they spend on. As you heard Bison laying out, which, you know, him thinking thinking about streaming services, which ones do you keep, which ones do you cut? So, you know, that, that's a part of it, man. The NFL and NBA right now are running free streams for all of the games from last year. Now, for a week or so, people were into that and watching them. Well, that's kind of waning right now. People are just into watching something they've already seen. So comic books do have that appeal of you're bringing out new stuff. So I, I can see that working. But no matter what, man, supply chains are in demand. And things like comic books are not going to be as important as vegetables, like bison brought up, milk, and everything else. Like the essential workers are going to be moving. If you're a comic book company, how the hell do you pay freight for stuff like that now when the price of that stuff is going to be crazy to ship anything? So, yeah, man. This this kind of scares me uh, at at how much how much bigger Amazon can get though when you think about those problems. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I'm a, I guess I'm, look, in supply, I'm in supply chain, and that model, that was a Bleeding Cool, and Bleeding Cool has a, a bad habit of sort of throwing headlines out with no details. That's sort of one company out of, somebody out of Ireland, a company out of Dublin, kind of floated that out, and they kind of blew it up to make it such a, a thing. Um, that wouldn't work here because, A, most of the, most of the warehouses are shut, and, you know, most of the train, you know, you have some transportation hubs, but it's not going to be, you know, cost effective unless you want to pay $35 for a comic book. I don't think we're there right now. And it, it, this is just a model that's been teetering for a while. I went to mine today and just said, basically, I'm done. I'm just clearing everything out, you know, because I know, I know what's coming. And, you know, they hanging on, they're they doing curbside or whatever, at the end of the day, like um, Nile said, that is not an essential thing. You know, it's not, you know, and, and you're going to see that from every small business. They want their business to move. Like I told my barber, I said, listen, you better start thinking about making house calls. I know whatever because, you know, like I'm in a state where they won't lift it until the end of June. So I won't be looking like, you know, the Silvers and Michael Jackson by the time this thing is over. Um, some, of these, some of these small businesses won't have to learn how to adapt. You know, like, like black people have been doing for generations. I mean, you know, most people didn't, black people didn't know the depression was going on, but we don't know this is going on. But I just, you know, like, like now I said, I mean, some of these, you know, I hate to say it, maybe some of these businesses need to die. I mean, some of the, I mean, you know, these comic book stores are living they weren't bringing in new blood anyway. It was a middle-aged, middle-class, nostalgia hobby that's just been propped up, you know, by people putting the least amount into the presentation, you know, bad attitudes, bad storefronts, all kind of attitudes, and maybe some of it needs to die. Maybe something will come behind it will be better and more reflective of the, the world we live in. And not, you know, 1979. Well, Afner just dropped, if you guys can hear me. He just dropped off. He disappeared. No, that's not Afner, is it? Yeah, it is Afner. Yep. So let's wait a minute. No, maybe we don't wait a minute. There isn't another. Let me see what's up here on the topic. Well, we went through everything for a change. <laughs> well, well, well since since you hit everything, let's 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 think about this. How much of us, how many of us have looked at our phone bill and decided that maybe this isn't something that I would have agreed to like years and years ago, but it's just something that's kind of been normalized. Most of us pay at least you know one twenty for your phone bill and data plan. Like, are some of us thinking about some of these things, you know, as we start to get through this? Of course like they you're are. you're going to have to have a phone, but at what point can you start to negotiate? At what point you do know. these companies start to have a, you know, a little wiggle room with you when you call them? A lot of people like, unemployment ain't hit, let, hit yet. So, of course they are. It <laughs> 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 ain't hit yet, man. You know what I'm saying? Right. Maybe next week or the week after that, it hits for some people. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and that's I'm just glad I'm not paying a car note right now. 
You know, mm-hmm. you got people playing car notes. You know, renting. They have credit card bills through the wazoo. It just sort of was a different type of lifestyle, and it seemed like the yep. chickens are coming home to roost. Yep, I mean, you're right. You're gonna. Have, I think some people are gonna have to look at their lifestyle. Yep, you're you know, right. And just some things are some things are gonna have to go. He he's a hundred percent right in regards to, you know, that's why I wasn't you know into jumping on every iPhone that comes out, you yep. know, every MacBook Pro that comes out. You know, um, we, we Americans one we don't save, and two I mean I mean young especially millennials are coming out of college up to their eyeballs in debt. So I mean it's just we it's just sort of a you know just a, a a perfect storm and oh we have a coronavirus I mean and look what's going on now they evacuate aircraft carriers mm-hmm. you know and that's going to affect military readiness yep you know I mean it's it's just a whole perfect and you know what's next fellas you know what's next it's going to be the post what's office that? the what yeah. mm. the post office the post okay. office. You're going to start right. getting people, people going to get sick delivering the mail. And they might uh-huh. say, okay, instead of getting it five days a week, you might get it one day a week. That's crazy. You know. I'm back. Mm. Right. Say, the man is on us, man. The man is on us, clearly. Now you're talking too much truth. That's why they got to cut you off. <laughs> I suspect. We can't be too, too naive about that. That's for sure. But, you know, I mean, it's one thing about the comic book shop, look, I'm not going to lie, I have a fondness for the comic book shop because I grew up with, with the comic book shop. Um, but is, is it so much about the comic book shop, or is it more about just the nature of new business? Like, the comic book shop shouldn't be perceived any differently than the mall. The mall is, you talk about dead space. I, don't, oh, I, haven't been to the, I haven't been to a mall in maybe, I don't know, five or six years, like really, to, like really doing the mall culture thing. I haven't done it in years. I, it's, just, it's just too conv- eBay is my mall. eBay, Amazon. Um, going to websites and buying things. I mean, I you know I buy things online. My wardrobe. I even I bought things up from England, from 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 Asia certainly. I just you know when I, when I look at my my closet or whatever, I was like, damn, I don't. I just don't need to go to the mall. So the mall is many things. Brick and mortar has been dying a slow death since Y two K. Is that isn't that fair to say? Going around a horn? Uh, to a certain degree. Not dying a slow death, but just being less substantial than they used to be because it wasn't a necessity. Now it's to the point of where we were talking about, you know, just real estate in general and just, you know, commercial real estate. The mall is, uh, they're beyond worse than what an office building could do. When you talk about the amount of space that they take up, the amount of tenants it takes to raise all the rents, the amount it takes to heat and cool those places, the lights, everything else, the water. Can you imagine what those returns are going to look like in the next month? Like we we're right now to start looking at malls and, and how they're doing. Like yep. you got the foot traffic alone, you did. Captain, do you remember the the Source Mall in Long Island? It's right next to next to Roosevelt Field. Yes. Yeah, I mean, is, now the Source Mall in like the mid '90s, early aughts was on and popping. You know, Cheesecake Factory, Virgin Records, all that stuff was going on. And, uh, again, this is a mall next, uh, next to another mall that's already big and already huge. Source Mall, 
was there for maybe ten years or more, something like that, and then now it's like just a, it's just an empty space. And it's you look at it like wow. I mean, this thing used to be so popular, full of people, full of families. Circuit City, remember Circuit City? Circuit City used to be there. Now it's a dead franchise. Um, I mean, the the mall. I just think that uh, if anything, the mall needs to be used as some kind of storage facility <laughs> for online business. <laughs> Is that what's going to happen? I mean, Jeff, Jeff Bezos wants to wants to provide a drone to send you your latte. If you want a latte, just order it on on uh, Amazon, and a drone will come to your house in like ten minutes. I mean, that's where we are. We're too lazy for the mall. We're too lazy. Many of us are too lazy to date. The mall used to be like a little dating thing. You'd go there and walk around with your woman and whatever, hold hands, profile for dogs so they see what kind of what you're working with with your woman. That's what I would do it for, to be honest with you. I'm being uh, look at my look at my lady look at my lady's toes look at my lady look at my lady's toe game. You you knock got these got these hammer toed women over here. That's what I was doing. I don't no one does that. Now we're we're on on a. Uh, Tinder, all that kind of stuff, swiping left, swiping right. I mean, no one's doing a mall thing anymore. You're texting. You don't talk to the woman. You said latte. Think about Starbucks with all that prime real estate that they bought because they schemed it out and figured out, you know, where they would get the most foot traffic and what was the best, you know, viable place to be and spent a lot of money on it and it paid off. Okay, as Bison keeps laying out, when you start thinking about the thing – People aren't paying for no four dollar coffee every day anymore. So, how does that even exist going forward? As far as Starbucks, people are going to be making coffee at home. Like Nas, Nas, we had to connect. Nas, we had to connect. Oh. A connect to do a live show at a at a coffee house, a, a steampunk coffee house in Long Island. And and uh, as that hookup was going on, now it's shut down <laughs> because for obvious Shoot. reasons. So I mean, right. even the, even the things that we were trying to do, we can't even do it. We can't even do that now. So right. the, the, the changes that are going to happen, if they don't get a handle on this, we it's like month to month. To be honest with you, week to week, as far as the economy, I haven't looked at my my uh, financials in about three weeks, and I'm not going to till next year. <laughs> I'm not looking at it. I'm not. Salute to you for that, sir. That that's the smart way to handle it. And, and look, let's, let's say this. Let's say. Let's say this. The other dangerous thing that the government and everybody else has to deal with is people now know. People now know that we can spend the money when we want to. This this whole how are you going to pay for it won't work as an answer anymore. What happens when the Generation Z says, you know what? The Internet should be a right. Wi-Fi should be a right. We want government paid for Wi-Fi. Uh, we don't want a healthcare system that's in shambles and gets exposed the moment we have an emergency. What happens as people look at these stimulus packages roll through where they're just printing up money? What happens when people start saying, wait a minute, we want our share of this that doesn't – the DOD shouldn't be eating up all of it. We want certain things for citizens. How do you tell them no now? Well, gentlemen, on that note, we got less than a minute remaining. We've got to close shop. We'll be back on Sunday or Monday. I'll let you know. Um, we're still working it out with this other platform. Uh, just from today's show, clearly we've got we've got to go. We've got to go. Uh, as always, appreciate it. Uh, continue supporting us. Continue being safe. Stay inside. Stay your butt inside. Did that? Didn't uh, Sam Jackson say that recently? Anyway, this is uh, Booker T and MG's Chicken Pox. We'll be back 
in a few days. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.